Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron and each week I have the pleasure, the delight, the honour of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week is no exception as we bring another unscripted, unplanned, unpredictable podcast Ooh. onto uh, onto all, all the streaming sites, all the platforms, finding its way into your ear, whether you're commuting, whether you're working from home, whether or not you're doing some housework, maybe you're just trying to drown out some noise and just listen to a podcast. We salute you. We thank you for downloading this, for choosing us as your entertainment this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever it is. Leave us a review though. Do the right thing. Oh, that's very nice. And like always, we thank you for listening and we love you. Yeah. We, we love do. you. And it's our honour to tickle that special part of the year that this podcast is the only one that really can. Scientifically guaranteed. That's it. You know, and some people would say, them boys, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I say, Dad, listen, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> but, I'd, I'd say, Dad, come back. <laughs> <laughs> but this week's no exception. We're going to roll into a... It's, it, I like these episodes. These are the mop-ups. Yeah, we just, we just... It's been busy, mate. We need catch up. What's going on in the world? What have you seen? What have you been doing? What yeah. can you recommend? What can you divert people from investing their time into. We've done this recently. Well, we've done so many big topics recently with, you know, we did Armageddon. We James. did do Armageddon. Didn't We're sorry. Weapon. <laughs> did leave we've done weapon. Harrison Ford. Oh, we've been busy. So much stuff to talk about, filmographies to discuss and dismantle. And this week, it's just a check. What have you seen in between all of that? All that noise, James, all them podcasts that we've covered so far. There may be films that you've seen in between them or TV series that we're going to dis- discuss Kind of a bit of a quick fire round. Mine are somewhat uh, themed. Oh, mine's no. There's this uh, mate. Scattershot was a person. It would be me. <laughs> Certainly, two of mine are. I missed them when they came out. Oh, I've now caught up with them. Ooh. you've already discussed them. Ooh. so maybe we can go back and dis- and and dissect a little bit more whether or not. Because I think when you've discussed them, I, the the two that I I've seen more, but the two big ones I mm. suppose are Maverick. <gasps> Uh, the Top Gun sequel and uh, Black Adam, both Ooh. of which are on Now TV. So we can catch up with those. I know we've already Jesus covered them when Christ. they came out. Um, <laughs> but I've also seen uh, Don't Worry Darling, the Olivia Wilde uh, director. Oh, I've wanted to watch that, but then obviously the, you heard all this press stuff. Well, I'm going to cover like, that in yeah, a moment. Okay, that actually, enough. the scandals around the film <laughs> might be a little bit better than the film itself. Who knows? <laughs> but we'll leave that to the discussion when we get to it. Also, the TV series The Bear. <gasps> Do you know what, mate? I love you. I do love you. I love you like a bromino, mm. right? And you mentioned about three weeks ago, just off the cuff, you were like, what you watched him in? You mentioned the bear. And I was like, I, I, so I'm a big, I watch YouTube a lot. And um, John Bethanol yeah. was mentioning this. And I was like, John Bethanol was not in the mm. bear. So I did that woozy, uh, that James thing that I do. And uh, Esther's been away this weekend. And I put on one episode. It's only, ep- it's only eight episodes long and they're 30 minutes each. Accidentally yeah. watched the whole series of The Bear. <laughs> it's <laughs> great over, though, isn't over it? Over two days. Yeah, so, it's, so I've seen that. There you go. There's, yeah. That's cracking. Sorry, that's weird. Anything else in between that that you want to discuss? Oh, yes. I think there's another one that I've seen. It'll come back to me in a moment. I um, So I love you like a brother. <laughs> and you've always told me, don't watch Bone Tomahawk. So I watched myself some Bone Tomahawk this week. I've also watched The Outlaws, Pierce Bodden's latest flick on the old Netflix. Creed 3, which I'm amazed took me so long to watch. I've started that. I didn't bring it this week because I haven't finished it. I've, I've, after we finish this, I'm going to go finish it. Ah, fair enough. And I watched a film which I, I knew nothing about, but it was new when I was coming up with new films. It turns out it wasn't. It was just new on Netflix. And it's called The Twelve Mighty Orphans. 
Okay. There you go. So there's my four. And I've also seen a documentary as well Ooh. called The Berkeley Marathon. Oh, can I? So so let's just start off with one thing. Big news in Hollywood is um, the stars, especially at the Oppenheimer premiere, have they, they went to the premiere, but they didn't go into the screen. They've joined the writers on their strike, and we are in... I, we haven't spoken about this, but I'm with you. Uh, we believe in our writer brothers. They should get, brothers and sisters, they should get a fair share. AI mm. has no right in the, in the world. And obviously, if you write in streaming content and people are going to watch it, you deserve a pay that cut. Writers, you've always said, need to be paid more. We we are with our striking brother in, yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. And the other thing with the strike is, uh, the, the, sorry, the writer strikes is is the residuals, isn't it? Yeah, is exactly. that we so much stuff now is streaming. You know where you know if you was a writer on a hit, on a sitcom that's still being played on terrestrial television with adverts, you get a cut off yes. that advertising. That you know, but whereas when it's on streaming, the service doesn't pay those residuals. Um, you know, like that they would if it was on television. So there are some writers whose livelihood is at stake, but also are not being paid for the you know the the uh, I suppose the return or the the recuperating success of their work years down the line so yeah I mean I'm, I'm with the writer strikes I've, I've, I've always said on this podcast we've agreed writers are at the forefront of any story the, yep. you know, they are the heartbeat of any film uh, and TV series and you know I, I idolise the writers more than the actors on the majority, on the majority. of shows yeah. yeah agreed um, so yeah th- th- that is interesting and also the other big piece of news Mel Gibson isn't bringing out a uh, groundbreaking documentary shocking I was really looking forward to that. I know you were. I was really looking forward to Mel Gibson exposing I still think he should, but based on nothing. He should should just give him a camera and he should just go up to random people and go, you want to be in my documentary about this? Yeah, he was was co-promoting a Jim Caviezel movie that's coming out. (sighs) Yep, got one more. Jim Caviezel, what happened to him? He's been actually judded. (laughs) He has, yeah. (laughs) Although Passion of the Christ 2 is coming out. I don't understand how. He's he's back. (laughs) He's back for more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's slippery, that one. Let's start with the bear. Yeah, let's start with the bear. I'll let you go. The bear, as you've already set up, is a, is a, it's on Disney Plus at the moment. It's on, on Star as part of the Disney Plus package. Um, Eight-part document, uh, eight-part drama series. Comedy um, drama, apparently. Comedy drama, Which yeah. I didn't know until about the episode where they drug the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's a comedy. <laughs> Oliver Platt, hello. <laughs> Drugging kids. Seems to get his way in there. <laughs> Um, the the helm of the movie uh, of the show is uh, Jeremy Allen White. I think it's Where just been the fuck Emmy. Where has he come from? Yeah, just been announced as a, as an Emmy contender. Yeah, um, for like season two, which is coming to Disney Plus at the end of this month, I think. I am gonna butcher some names. It's got Lionel Boyce in it. It's got um, Io Adebri. Yep, Adebri. Um, Evan Moss Backrack. Yep. It's. I mean, the, the, so the the premise of it is a Chicago uh, eatery. It's a uh, inherited. So you've got the main star in it, as we as we talked about. Um, uh, Carmi, played by Jeremy Allen White, inherits a restaurant. sandwich shop. Yeah, sandwich yeah, shop restaurant from uh, his brother who's passed away, who's committed suicide. He is a Carmi uh, uh, is a Michelin rising star. Um, you know, credited as being you know the hottest chef of the year. Yeah, uh, you know, rising yeah. talent. The, the basically the tits in the culinary world, and he puts all that to one side to take on his brother's business that was drowning, but sees the potential, sees the legacy of the family in the business, but also knows what the restaurant means to the community and the people that it serves. Yeah, so and who benefit from it? So his brother Michael is basically a legend, wasn't he? He was the best with people, a bit of like a cult of personality. The people mm. who went to work for him was like, that's not Michael's sister. Michael was 
the man. Not great running a business, but was probably a better person. Yeah. So you've got like, you've got legend against you. So this is, you know, you inherit something that is drowning, is in debt from, you know, the electric <laughs> company, the food company, but also the local mob. Keeps uh, keeps all his, uh, there's, there's a funny scene where they're trying to find like payrolls because uh, sister who owns 50% is about to get tax audited and it's labeled, it's in a fuck of shit. <laughs> Fucking love that. Because that's my filing system. <laughs> It's it, the the thing that I really like about it is it's fast paced, fast edited, kitchen environment. You know, so people are screaming, people are mm. you know, yes, chef. People aren't answering. You know, it it's quick edit from someone dangerously chopping close to their fingers. There's a scene of like a pot over bubbling on a stove. You know, tensions rising, people swearing, sweating. You know, orders piling up. Someone screaming, "Where's my order?" It's 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 anxiety inducing drama. But it's got some really good characters, well fleshed out characters, expertly performed by the by the cast. And at the heart of it, I do genuinely believe this restaurant exists. Yes, which you've got to have. You know, you got and America. I love uh, um, one of the things I really like about America is how certain foods become staples and synonymous mm. with cities. You know, pizza in New York, you know, hoagies in Philly steaks in Philadelphia, and this. I'm like, God, I want one of these sandwiches. In, yeah, you in do. Chicago, beef, like, they, they look amazing. Uh, and I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's fast, it's quick, it's quirky, it's, you know, sweary. It's everything that makes me not want to ever, ever work in a kitchen. There's a uh, episode seven, mate. Watched that and thought of you. Uh, the episode's about 28 minutes long and 22 minutes uncut through a kitchen environment. Yeah, it's one yeah, of the most yeah. impressive things I've ever seen. People cutting, there's a fire, uh, there's a, you know, fire cooking stoves mm. and stuff like that. Some of the best. I and mean, you never talk about the logistics when you're when you're making a film, but the amount of planning that must have gone in there is fucking phenomenal. Exquisitely executed as well. No one misses a mark. No one fucks up. Twenty two uninterrupted edits. No smart cuts either. That's all there. Yeah, and that was fantastic. That was beautiful. That was. And season two, I think, is warranted. That's the thing as well, isn't it? With a series like this, an, an eight an eight part limited run, you think could that could that be it? You know, yeah. could you, but actually, the story certainly warrants a follow-up season, see where it goes. I'm invested with these characters. I've timed it perfectly. I've done that Aaron thing of finishing it just as season is about to drop. Start, yeah. so I ain't got to wait like everyone else. That's brilliant. So The Bear, if you haven't seen it, very, very good on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with 100% what you are just saying. And what I really like about it as well is that you don't like any of the characters. All of the characters are kind of arseholes. You kind of like the sous chef, but then you realise that she's a bit of a control freak. But the main character is barely there, like kind of like a blank. There's like a blank stare. Like, like if he showed mm. up at school, you'd be like, yeah, I could see it. I quite like <laughs> the Lionel Bruce, a uh, boy so plays Marcus, who's like more of the kind of desserts. Yes. I quite like oh, his he, station. He loves, he loves a donut, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really like it. I, it's a gr- I mean, you're right. I mean, Jeremy Allen White, don't know much work. Uh, oh, you know, well himself, done. <laughs> very, very much invested in, in, in whatever he goes on to do. There's a stand, I can't remember the actor's name, but there's a scene where you see him in a, um, a fancy restaurant and there's an actor, and I always remember he's the main actor in a TV series community, which you should have watched because it's phenomenal. And he's just berating him. And it's one of the mm. cringiest things. He's like, say you're no good. And it's like, you're no good. I'm no good. It's like, no, say I'm no good chef. It's like, I'm no good chef. It's really cool. It's like what I imagine Gordon Ramsay has a wet dream about, like crumbling people. Yeah, Such a dick move. But I'll be honest, some of the greatest act, he's so good. It's, yeah. it's, do you know what it is? It's very Moorish, mate. You put your hand in the bowl for a bit more, then your eyes are all gone. That's how it was. I was like, went to bed after like 
five episodes. Didn't realize there was only eight episodes. Came down, I was disappointed when it ended. I was like, you prick. <laughs> but no, beautiful. Well played. I am going to put you on the spot and say, I want to know oh. completely different to the bear. Yeah. Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, okay. I told you not to watch it. Right, so so when someone says Bone Tomahawk, there's a scene where someone gets scalped and split in half. Hey, hey, don't oh. ruin it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's known as the scene. It's, it's called the scene. the scene. I still think that the scene after that, where they walk past two pregnant ladies, is probably worse. <laughs> That's horrible. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. I thought I was expecting, like, you know, something... So the film opens and you see Sid Haig, notorious... I know he's passed on now, but he was like the horror gore icon of all time. Yeah. Being butchered alongside David Arquette. It was, it was, I would never put those two together. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was weird. And then you get a very long, drawn out film, which is basically about the wife of the local um, Patrick Wilson. <laughs> the local Patrick Wilson goes, uh, disappears one night along with two other gentlemen in a prison cell. Yeah. And basically... And this is where a jump comes in. Who took them? Well, based on the leftover arrow, it can only be Indian troglodytes. <laughs> and then four hours pass, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where nothing really much happens, but you do get the acting styles of Kurt Russell, Matthew Fox, and Richard Jenkins, which I was like, where's this Richard Jenkins been all my life? Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, phenomenal. And can't forget Patrick Wilson, no matter how hard you try. <laughs> Patrick Wilson and um, and as you, as you've already mentioned at the beginning of the movie, Arquette. Yeah, David Arquette. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a cast. It's, <laughs> it's not the Avengers. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Might watch him on. But but let's be honest, here, Kurt Russell's beard game fucking is on. I mean, it, it's on top. He, he, it's on display. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna rush back to Christmas Chronicles <laughs> before I rush back to this film. <laughs> So a very long film, basically about the journey on their way to these troglodytes, which, as you've known, everyone talks about Bone Tomahawk being this gore fest with the scene at the end. Now, I don't know how I feel about Matthew Fox. I never have. In mm. Lost, I thought he did a very good job as the main guy. However, Jack is one of the most the, the boring sh- fucking the, the, people in the TV show goes right way to make you not like him. <laughs> so it, it's hard to gauge him because the only thing I've ever seen when anyone ever took a shot on him was that terrible film vantage point, you know, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where, which is terrible. Oh, you were the, that should have been so much cooler than it was. He did the uh, the Alex Cross movie, didn't he? And there was a second one. The so, yeah. And he was in World War Z. Never forget, helicopter pilot. I forgot. <laughs> I did my James. But that's what I'm here for. <laughs> But so you've got all of these characters on the way to basically. So that's it. Hold on, he was in Smoking Aces as well. Can't win them all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, cool I, like, I like Smoking that. Aces. Um, ben Affleck was in Smoking Aces. Chris Pine was in Smoking Aces. Jason Bateman was in Smoking Aces. Ryan Reynolds was in Smoking Aces. Alicia Keys was. In, was it Alicia Keys? Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, yeah. 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 The. Nesta Carbrioni from Lost. That's he who's in Smoking Aces. Who kills, who kills, uh, he kills Matthew Fox in it. Good. In the elevator. Good. He has the little blade that sticks out. Do you think he was trying to do it? Yeah. <laughs> For real life. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel about Matthew Fox, but Matthew Fox is trying to be the, the dash debonair. He's killed more Indians than anyone in this room put together. It's a shame he doesn't display any of these skills around the film. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I actually really, really like this film. It's not the gore fest I was expecting. It's the journey 
onwards. And it's a lot like, and I never thought I'd sit in a room and go, Bone Tomahawk, a lot like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's about the journey, <laughs> not the destination. Well, yeah, because the destination involves you being hung upside down and splitting yeah. up. <laughs> so I really enjoyed my time. Um, with the four characters, and I'll be honest, I've never seen it. I, Kurt Russell is probably number one for me. I love Kurt Russell. I'm the only reason I haven't seen this film. I'm not against gore. I hate gore for gore's sake. Like Hellraiser is a very gory film. However, it has a purpose, so I quite enjoy. I quite enjoy. It. In this, I don't get it. Like mm. the end in the beginning, very gory for no reason. Like Sid Haig's, just his entire casting makes you think of something, and I quite like the double take. I like their. <sighs> I like their version of the Wild West. I think it's cool. I like Kurt Russell as the sheriff because he's basically no nonsense prick. I so, do want my sheriff to be Kurt Russell. Yeah, so and I think that's really good. I even think David Arquette does pretty well in the very limited time he has dead. on screen. Well, he, he gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> he does an all right job. Um, my problem is with the troglodytes and their entire existence. It's, it's like they had two films and they put... They put that this great Western biopic, and they were like, "We'll do this." But at the beginning, we'll take this horror film, yeah. and at the end, we'll take this horror film. And they don't mix mash. There's a weird act. One's very short. Act two is incredibly long, and act three is just a, just just a lot of white guys sat around bleeding, mm. <laughs> to be honest. And I love the middle part. I would have loved more of the middle part. It was it was akin to unforgiven, like this really drawn out. There's like one action scene where two um, bandits come along, they shoot, and then later they. They realize they're being followed by bandits and it's got nothing mm. to do with the storyline. Nothing. And um, unfortunately, Patrick Wilson's in it. <laughs> there you go. I don't I like Patrick I Wilson. Like, I, I don't do know like why. I like Patrick Wilson. I do, like him because why? He, cause I think he knows he knows. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. He knows. He doesn't insist upon does it, himself. Does it not worry you that Patrick Wilson's greatest role was as a nonce? <laughs> in, in the tall grass? Uh, no. He got lost in grass, James. <laughs> Insidious, I quite yeah. like that. Dude, you fuck off. Do I you? did like the first one, I thought. Yeah, but do you like him? Patrick yeah. <laughs> Wilson's only decent I role. Jason Momoa's brother in Aquaman. Fuck off. <laughs> You've recorded that, that's fact now. <laughs> when historians come about this, they'll go, we were supposed to believe that Patrick Wilson could take Jason Momoa in a fight yeah. because he was riding a squid. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, have you ever seen that film? That film is one of the most worst-paced films ever. It's like Fast and Furious on acid. It's like, oh, you, you're an Atlantean. Kill your brother. All right, then. <laughs> I was like, just put it all yeah. in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing was left on the cutting room floor. Never forget that <laughs> Willem Dafoe has a political meeting <laughs> with Dafoe <Dr>. Ginger. <laughs> Sat on a hammer shot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Bone Tom Wow, that was an experience. So, I mean, if you don't know, uh, the, the director and the writer is S. Craig Zaller, who oh. has five writing credits to his name and directing credits to his name. Or three directing credits, five writing credits. Now, if you were to watch his other films, the, his style is very much that. So yeah. he did a, um, other than a movie called The Instant and Puppet Master, he did the 2018 I I love those films in I think they were like the seventies, eighties, the the point where when the guy that the puppets that come to life. There's yeah, like a, in the a hotel. small Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, so it came back the uh, Puppet Master, the Littlest Reich came out in 2018. <sighs> kind of went back to the court feeling. But anyway, sticking on the three films that he directed, Bone Tom Holt was one. Um Brawl in Cell Block 99 was another with Vince Vaughn, where I, I see you not, Vince Vaughn beats up a car in that film in a long sequence where he just 
punches a car. Yeah. And again, incredible. It's a it's slow, but when it wants to be graphic, it's graphic. That's the movie where Vince Vaughn stamps on the dude's head and then drags it across the floor. And it basically that takes half the man's face off. And then he did a movie called Dragged Across Concrete with Mel Gibson. And- Fucking, I've just seen that come up on like Amazon or now, something. Yeah. That is a three and a half hour Blood long fest. slog about, uh, yeah, about two bent corrupt cops that uh, are a bit too aggressive on on the beat. Um, they have an opportunity to, they know something's going to go down and they feel like they can rob the robbers. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it all boils down to a, you know, tragedy. But it has Jennifer Carpenter in it, who, was, who played uh, Dexter's sister. Yeah. In, uh, Former in wife, yep. And... Um, again, has a narrative in it that is so unnecessary. In a film that is already three and a half hours, <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, an hour and a half in, you're like, oh, here's a new character. <laughs> and then something happens where you're like, I just feel terrible now because it's so graphic and horrible. Don't know why I'm laughing. That you're like, I don't know why. You put it. He's out there like, this film, this three film hour needs film something. needs something else. Bear in mind, we've just seen a stakeout scene with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn where the camera's on them and Vince Vaughn eats an entire Subway like like a foot long sandwich. It's like, just cut it out. It's integral, mate. The guy doesn't like to edit his movies or or bring them down. That's S. Craig Zeller, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he signed on to Direct uh, Princess Diaries 3. Yeah, I bet he has. I bet he has. <laughs> I watched Princess Diaries the other day and I had a massive rant at Esther, picked her up from work and I went, right, you know Princess Diaries? Fucking listen to me, mate. You, do you remember it? Genovia. Do you remember Right, Genovia. G- G- I know. I right, know so Julie Genovia. Andrews is the Queen of Genovia and she's there to hand over the reins to her granddaughter, right? Yeah. Played by Anna Hathaway. Uh-huh. I'm just going to tell you now, she says that she married into it. She's got no constitutional right to still be queen. When her husband died, it should have been... Anne Hathaway's father, when he died, she should be queen right now. So she could go, right, get to fuck grandma because you married into this. You've got no rights to the throne. Also, she says that if you don't take over is it, the country will cease to exist. So we're supposed to think it's an institutionalised monarchy with no with no direct, you know, dimo- di- uh, democracy. Also, um, it's implied that she's shagging her bodyguards. So how do we know the legitimacy of a thing? I reckon it's a constitutional crisis in Genovia, mate. I reckon we need to invade. We should do the most British thing and write a letter. <laughs> we should write that. I've got massive problems with how Genovia's run. Massive problems. Should we do a deep dive into Princess Diaries at no. some point? <laughs> 300 episodes? <laughs> I basically asked her, was like, please stop watching Princess Diaries. Don't even get me started on a sequel where she's got to get married to remain queen. How does that work? She's the fucking queen. And as you've established, there's no fucking prime minister. Although you have because there is one when it's convenient. Also, in the second one, how do they, you know, stop like people from dying by having a fucking princess sleepover? Princesses and kings are royalty, you know. Mate, don't get me started. Patrick Wilson was in Moonfall. The only, everyone's gone under siege. I, I knew it was coming back. I knew that was going to come back. That I like Moonfall. Yeah, you do. But he's not my favourite thing. Patrick Wilson's not my favourite thing. It's uh, the moon. <laughs> no, it's, I don't want to say it because I can't remember. Is, is it Sam Bradley? Uh, Sam from yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the North. <laughs> it's, it's when he says, it's when he dies at the end, spoilers, and becomes one with the moon and his grandma's there. <laughs> because because Ronan Emmerich thought that was a good way to end the movie. Yeah. <laughs> because then the grandma says we've got work to do, implying a sequel that we both know will never fucking happen. Well, we can live in hope. Also, you know the good thing about Moonfall is, you know, in Armageddon, mm. 
I also, I'm not, I'm not bringing it up, but I also watched Deep Impact this week because I thought I've done one, I might as well do the other. Double bill it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, they, <laughs> fucking say what you want about Bruce Willis, but at least he still tries. Robert Duvall's like, right, we're going to, we can't do anything about the first comment, we'll take out the second one. In Moonfall, when it doesn't look like it's going to work, Halle Berry basically goes, oh, everyone go home. Oh, you just give up. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. just die then, you dick. I remember seeing that in the film and thinking, this is where I've lost it. You know? well, she's just like, oh, go home. It's, it's all right. We'll just die. It's fine. And then they launch a fucking... Do you know what, mate? I'm going on a massive rant. I started off with Princess Diaries and somehow gone into Moonfall. Patrick Wilson's in it. So Burn Tomahawk, it's a slow burn, it's gory graphic. It's gory I quite enjoyed it, actually. You know, I, I genuinely thought it was a very good film, except for could have done without the end, could have done without the beginning. My my thing is always, you know, I, I don't want to be eaten. Is my yeah, big you've thing always said life. that. My big thing in life is not to be eaten, because I don't want to ever be a poo. And then my, but my second one is I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back at the time of like Indians and stuff. Because they, 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 they weren't nice people, James. No, not the chocolate tarts, mate. They were terrible. You know, after like battles, they'd like take people's eyes and stuff and tongs because in the afterlife, they thought that they would then be blind in the afterlife. I mean, it's one thing to kill someone, but then to condemn them to eternal blindness. So I mean that if you were eating, you'd be a poo in the afterlife. Maybe. (laughs) But it's the idea idea that that you can't then blame them in the afterlife or come after them in the afterlife. What if... No, do you know what? I was going to go down an existential route. What if you technically got like stuck between someone's teeth whilst you've been eating? Would you be half a poo and like a bit between the teeth? These are the, these are the <laughs> things that keep me up at night, James. I don't want to move on. Um, we've gone the beer. We've gone bone tomahawk. Oddly, let's let's, <laughs> let's go to Top Gun Maverick. Why not? Fucking why not? Um, you talked very fondly of this when you went to the cinema. When when you when Tom Cruise single handedly saved cinema. Yes. Um, by bringing out. Uh, you know, some 30 years after the, the 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 fame that was Top Gun, I spoke glowingly of this. You I said did. he had I said he had great chemistry with everyone, which is something I found that Tom Cruise doesn't actually always have, and reclaimed it a lot better than the first one. So it's set 30 years after its predecessor. It follows Maverick's return to the United States Navy Strike Fighter Tactic Instructor Program, known as Fight School Weaponry School <laughs> Top Gun, whatever it is. He must confront the past as he trains a group of young pilots, among them the son of Maverick's deceased best friend, Lieutenant Nick Goose Bradshaw. What were the odds? This time played by uh, Miles Teller, Teller. Rooster. Rooster. And he has a moustache. Do you know what? I watched this film and I thought, I've seen this film. It was called Top Gun. Have you you seen those internet memes where his... Mustache gets thinner and thinner throughout the film. Have you? Have you? It's like, like he obviously he obviously couldn't grow one, so they kept putting one on him. But but for some reason they never put the same one on. Yeah, I've seen it since. It's once someone's pointed out to you, you're just going fucking mustache isn't right. So you you chose whether it came out. I think the episode was called like Tolga Maverick. We put yeah. it in the towel, so you can go back and hear your your, your more in depth analysis. This is catching up. This is me, you know, taking the opportunity to see what I thought of it and. It was enjoyable. Mm. It was a good uh, romp of a classic style, a classic. Oddly, it felt more like a 90s action movie did. than a 2022 or a 1980s action <laughs> movie. Somehow it's kind of gone, let's just go with 90s. Um, it's got all the nostalgia in it from the soundtrack to the leather jacket, to the motorbikes, to the airplanes, to the, fact to, to the aviator classics, <laughs> to, to the beginning where over-enthusiastic uh, people on boats like signaling for planes to take off. It's got everything you need. It's 
That's one of my favourite episodes, by the way, you and me doing Top Gun. Yeah. I can't remember what episode it is, but please the go back and check it out. That was, was so was, fun was to do. Great, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so... <laughs> fucking love boats. I, I could get past Tom Cruise. Tom, right, so starting with the character of Maverick, of starting with Tom Cruise's character, I didn't feel like that was that character 30 years later. I can see that, yeah. It very much felt like this is Tom Cruise 30 years later doing that thing that he does, you know, which is all his own stunts, being Mr. Action. And I like Tom Cruise. That isn't slagging him off. It didn't feel like the character had in any way kind of matured. It was almost quite sad that he's still, he's still like, I fucking love Jets. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he's still got the jacket. You know, like, that. Feel, if it started with, like, a reunion where everyone's like, dude, get past it. Like, just, you're still riding the motorbike. Do you're still your life, you prick. You still haven't, you still don't wear a helmet. Like, do you know how many deaths are on he the road? He has changed because now he's doing up his own plane. That would never go as fast as anything else. Do you know what, mate? I'm a project manager in real life. I do a lot of computer work. The last thing I want to do after I finish work is do more computer project stuff. I I I just don't feel feel like his character had matured, developed, really? or, was, or was anything interesting about, you know, of um, Pete Maverick, you know, Captain Pete himself. Now, that's not to say that I didn't like Tom Cruise in mm. it. it did, I just, there was just no arc to him. You, you know, and, but I don't think there was any arc to him in the first film. There's either. not. He's he's a cock. He kills his best friend, and then the the moral of the story is still be a cock. That's <laughs> it's what we decided yeah. because he loses his confidence, doesn't he? Doesn't win Top Gun, and at the end he's like, "Be a cocky prick again," and that's what saves the day. It's you know, it's got the it's got the soundtrack to it. It's got you know the setup at the beginning. You now got Jennifer Connelly's character into it. You know, you've got all the. Um, yeah, because Kelly McGinnis played Charlie in the first one, didn't she? It, Who you, had the audacity to age like a normal human being, yeah, so, yeah. so they won't let her back. <laughs> but now you've got uh, Jennifer Connelly as the love interest of Penny Benjamin. Um, yeah, I, th- when you get past all that bit and then you learn of what the mission is, I yeah. was like, oh, okay, actually. It's yeah. different, isn't it? Yeah. Because the first one was very much around, like, and I get it, that was the point, was the fighter school, was you mm. know, the academy. You know, who is going to be... And then at the end, it's like, oh, shit, no, there's a real thing that we need to go and do. And it's like, oh, okay, there's the end of the film. Was this, they're all graduates, so it's like the best of the best of the best. Oh, they're already there, yeah. <laughs> it's like... And the, and then they bring in this fossil. It's like the cream of the crop had sex with the cowboy. <laughs> it's like it was the best of the best of everything. <laughs> and then in, in... So when you learn what the mission is, and John Hamm, brilliantly... It's a, the, uh, my problem with John Hamm is, is he gets one over when he goes to the beach... He goes to the classroom, right? This is what I don't understand. He goes to the classroom to see what they're doing. And Maverick's giving them the day off so they can learn how to be friends by playing football with, with multiple balls, which is not how you play football. defence at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but he instinctively, so he goes into the classroom and not there. So why does he instinctively go to the beach? <laughs> why does he go, but not here, he must be the beach. <laughs> just, he's got, I just hear a load of like back slapping and high fives. Got, <laughs> it's just fucking weird. Yeah. And he wins him over. It's like, you disregarded all the rules. It's like, his name's Maverick. The fucking film's called Maverick. I do, I think... Um, you know, when, when the part when the mission came into it, I think mm. the film did very well at setting up this is an impossible mission. Yeah, and did it in a way that it was someone who, and believe this or not, James what? has no experience of f- flying a fighter jet. How did you get it? Today? What, thought, that, what that entails? Fired. I felt like I understood very quickly. Oh, this is dangerous. Yeah, and this is very hard and challenging, and that is why these people are here, and that's why they brought Maverick in. So the setup. I was like, yeah, this is good. The training stuff, very, very well done. Yeah. The cameras on the planes. I mean, the, the the shining merit of the original Top Gun was the cinematography achievements. 
in getting them dogfight scenes yeah. changed the landscape of cinema. Um, and as we said on that episode, also changed the landscape of promoting a film because Tom Cruise went out and did the roadshow, which is now a staple part in most people's mm-hmm. contracts. So those people, you know, that look thought you were upset. Gonna, thought you were going to bring up Pepsi and the fact that that guy still didn't Pepsi, get his jet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy didn't get his jet and Pepsi was the was the yeah paid commercial at the beginning of the VHS. Top Gun was a big film when yeah. it came out. Um, this one, I thought, yeah, the setup works. Miles Teller, when I got past the rooster bit, I get that you need that. You need that, you know, if there was any arc, it's that... It, you know, Pete needs the forgiveness. He, ne- you know, he needs. Luckily, they didn't bring, didn't bring Meg Ryan back. <laughs> Just yeah, I'm thankful for that. So, to be honest. Um, so you know, so there was a rumor that she was back, and I spent uh, the entire film flinching. <laughs> I was like, every time he turned the corner, I was like, "Don't be Meg Ryan." <laughs> and and it has this really weird bolted on like after the mission, extra mission. That when it happens, I'm like, oh, we keep, we're still going. We're still going. We, we've got this bit there, have we? It's like a bonus scene. Yeah. And he somehow gets into a jet that he knows, because if that was lucky, the, from the first film, you're like, oh. Lucky if he wasn't like, he was in Russia, he was like, what the fuck is this? And I quite enjoyed that bit as well. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of money obviously spent in those scenes. Um, and overall, when the film ended, I thought, yeah, that was that was all right, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I and I do owe it, I think, to us recently doing the Top Gun episode where we did a deep dive into it and just fully enjoying how silly it was yeah um and and learning about the history of the film and what it did for cinema that actually made maverick going into it it is enjoyable yeah. and and i do like tom cruise you know and I, I could I, I do think for the most part his characters he does have an arc and he does see that through and he is incredible in action films he is he is a tour de force he is and, and that is not an act <laughs> ironically the guy's an actor but when he's promoting a film that I I genuinely do not think that's an act when he's on the red carpet and he's like and people are like oh happy birthday he's like oh yeah yeah you know but my job is this and, and I do my job on my birthday like everyone else does genuinely and, do believe he is one of the most hard working people yeah yeah and, and he has down. and if you look at actors now probably not in the past he changed film the most yeah we talked last week about Harrison Ford and there's a Tom Cruise episode coming but yeah Tom Cruise I reckon could go for another 40 years easily I mean, the way he runs, he yeah. probably turn back town like Barry Allen. But I do think I think Barry. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've got the flash in there. Yeah, you did, mate. Although I, Superman would make more good. sense. <laughs> I did. I did think it was good. Do I want? Do I want to see him in the MCU in those things? No. I, I, oddly, I think I think Tom Cruise is on his own trajectory, and he doesn't need the those franchises. He's got Mission Impossible as his franchise. You yeah. Know. Which, which, you know, we haven't seen yet. And apparently, they're coming out the reviews is like, it's the best one yet. Mm. Very rarely does the franchise get better. By the seventh one. <laughs> fucking, well, that and fucking Fast and Furious, apparently. So, yeah, Maverick, well done. Yeah. Well done, Maverick. Um, you know what? We were talking about, we we're talking about franchises that we thought were long dead and buried. How about we go to Creed 3 now? Is it just yeah. naturally because Creed 3, obviously the continuation of the Rocky franchise. Creed 3, famous though for now. Rocky not being in it. Mm. Sylvester Stallone didn't agree with the way they were taking the franchise. It took a step out, which is fine. I think he ended, he, he bows out at Creed 2 quite well. I'm quite happy to have the continuation. Michael B. Jordan, directorial debut. So this is pretty good. It is, yeah. So um, we've got returning cast of Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson. <clears throat> you've got Wood Harris as a trainer. I'm a big Wood Harris fan. But now you've got the introduction of former childhood friend who went to jail, Jonathan Majors. Now, this film, Creed 3, suffered because obviously at the time this came out, there was Jonathan Majors was arrested for 
charges, which obviously have now meant that he might not be the big bad in <clears throat> Kang in the MCU. <clears throat> but we celebrate the art on this, not the artiste. So we're going to be talking about the film, not talking about that. So just so that we're we don't condone, we don't fucking know what the fuck am I on about? We celebrate the art, not the artist. There you go, I'll leave That's it at that. That's what we say. Yeah, so um, as a youngster, they were both from a child's home. Michael B. Jordan, obviously playing Creed and Jonathan Majors now. So I would say that Jonathan Majors, is, well, it's called Damien Diamond Dame. So I'm just going to call him Dame, a Diamond because he's coming in. A Dame, because they call him Dame throughout. He's been in prison all this time. And um, Creed... Adonis Creed is retired. He's won, he's, he has the fight, which is really good. It opens up with a rematch for Connell, which if you remember in the first Creed is the fight he lost. As Connell was going to prison. They have a rematch, so he's out of prison. He beats him. He retires as the undisputed champion of the world. Adonis Creed quits. Just like Rocky in Rocky 3. I'm done. Retired. Don't need this no more. Done with the world. So he runs the, like Rocky again, runs a gym with Wood Harris, who plays his trainer. And then out, of prison comes Dame. Now, Dame went to prison for a crime that they both committed. He took the blame. He was his friend. And he asked his friend for one shot, one opportunity. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> he wants a shot at the tile, which I think is fucking ballsy because he's technically, and they bring this up, you've got no record. You're technically going out. <laughs> he's never won. <laughs> he, was, he was the childhood boxer. They were friends because Adonis used to sneak out and watch his friend fight. He was a Golden Gloves boy champion. And Jonathan Majors does such a great job He's a very menacing, but at the same time, I can see them being brothers. And I think that's just where Major's great strength comes in, especially when we're talking about the MCU and that film we did with Idris Elba about the Western. He can flip-flop quite well from best friend to actual menace. And there's a scene where he, he's, he's meeting the family, he's meeting Adonis' wife, Tessa Thompson, meeting the child. <clears throat> um, it's very inclusive as well. The, the child has remained deaf, so it's sign, a lot of the film is sign language when there's communication, which is really good. The, the daughter wants to grow up and be like Adonis. She doesn't know how to channel her emotions. She's at school and she punches someone, so she, she can't get her frustrations out, mm. but she's, she, she's following what her father did. It's a lot darker than the other Creed films and Rocky films. Um, the crime that Dane went for was they started beating up a former foster parent, so it's implied that he abused them. He used to hit the children, and so it was like a them getting retribution. And Adonis started it, but Dane went to prison for it. So basically, Adonis owns Dane. So he tries to make his opportunity happen. Um, we get returning um, Dra uh, Drago from the <clears throat> from the second film. He's in it, playing a smile partner. Uh, an opportunity arises that Dane has a shot at the championship. But he's using dirty tactics, mate. And not only does he win it, but now he wants Adonis because he's had it up to here. Donis didn't have his back when it mattered. And then you've basically got the classic Rocky setup. You know, all the storyline boils away. Michael B. Jordan trains, montage, big fight at the end. You know where it's going. They do a phenomenal thing, which I thought they should have done for Rocky, like four and five. When they're having a fight, the stadium dissolves. Well, it doesn't dissolve, but the audience disappears. And a lot of the film, a lot of the fight is them fighting uh, and like they push each other into a corner. And the corner turns into a bed, which you saw at the beginning they were practice boxing on. Mm. And the, they disappear. And then at one moment, they're looking at each other from other ends and they see the children. It was great artistic license taken. And to be honest, Creed 3 is what? The eight, ninth film in a Rocky franchise? Is it getting stale? I'm going to admit, yes, it is getting a bit stale. But I'll be honest, I fucking love this film because I'm a Rocky apologist. I... It, do you remember when we did the Rocky franchises? I was like, I can't believe you think the fifth one's the best one. I didn't say that. I said the fifth one has got redeemable qualities is what I said. I never said it was my favourite one. I saw an one. angle, I went for it. 
Yeah. So I poke the bear, mate. I'll do it. <laughs> so I still think Creed Three, great addition. I really liked it. I love the chemistry between the characters. I love. I'm a Michael B. Jordan fan, mate. Mm. I'm a massive Michael B. Jordan fan. I don't believe that Adonis Creed and how youthful he looks should be retiring. <laughs> I genuinely, that's the bit I took exception with. I fuck off. Floyd May, Mayweather's still going <laughs> in real life. I, 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 yeah, I like that as well, like you say, about the dissolving kind of audience because the fight isn't for them, it's for each other, isn't it? That's a personal battle. Yeah. Um, I know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The music's great. There's no Rocky theme, which is good because it's it's distancing itself. Yeah, it needs to get out of the shadow of Rocky. Yeah. I do think that Creed 4, which I think there will be, because Michael B. Jordan says he loved it, he wants to do more, do you think that opens with Rocky's death? It's the only way to go. Mm. Otherwise, you'll have these films where you're always asking, where's Rocky? It's like Poochie in the Simpsons episode. Where's Poochie? What's yeah. Poochie up to? You'll always be asking, where's Rocky? I think you're right. I think you're right. And it, and it gives closure to that character as yeah. well, doesn't it? You know, and um, I, I, I love Michael B. Jordan. I think he's, he's great. Yeah. You know? And I love Tessa. I don't realise how much I like Tessa Thompson mm. because I know I haven't seen that much and luckily I haven't seen Men in Black International. <laughs> But she's I, probably the best thing in it. But I, I, I like Tess Thompson. She's great. And she's British. And that's what we love. Yeah. British actresses. Yeah. So Creed 3, it's on um, Amazon because yeah. Amazon own that now. They do. Yeah. They also own Bond, but refuse to put all the Bonds on there in one go because they're cucks. Yeah. That yeah. TV series is coming. Yeah. It's going to happen. It is. Um, I'm going to talk about a little documentary yeah, that I watched uh, that came out actually in 2014. And just it is mind boggling. Uh, as How it as all yeah, as all documentaries are, yeah, the at the heart of any good documentary is is one something that's absolutely unbelievable that you have to watch a documentary to believe it, and two something that you ask yourself, I did not even know this world existed. Oh my god, I'm so interested. You know, let alone uh, you, you, you know, um, this is about ultra running. What the fuck is ultra running? So ultra running is like, you know, a marathon's not enough. You've got to do a marathon through a desert, you know, or, or you know, something like that. I've heard about this. It. Is this one where you can, like, people hallucinate, like, basically on it and yeah. die? <laughs> yeah, so it's called the, Ber- the the full title of the documentary is called The Berkeley Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young is the, is the full name of it. Um, I won't give it justice in the synopsis. I'm going to keep it brief because it's a documentary, so it does need to be yeah. seen. Then, then you know, dissecting the the storyline. You know, it is essentially about a, an ultra running race which takes part once a year. Is the uh, is the product or of of what can only be described as a lunatic who in Tennessee, kind of has created this. Uh, his name's Lazarus Lake, uh, who was a runner himself, marathon runner, long distance runner himself, created a race that didn't set out to be the hardest in the world, but certainly got that reputation and also got the reputation of being one of the most bizarre. So it's a race in Tennessee. To start with, um, there's no real advertising of it. It's all kind of word of mouth. This documentary has exposed it more than than anything else, but it was kind of like a... a, a before the documentary, it was like hush, like runners would know about it, but no one would really know how to apply for it. I'll be honest, that sounds awesome. That's the sort of shit that would be like interesting. Like, yeah. Yeah. So only about 40 people actually get to do and, and get invited. So you're invited only to do it. You reply, you sit an exam that he makes up. Yeah, yeah. It could be anything. The entry fee to the 2014 documentary, which I think at this point was already in its like 24th year. So it's long running, uh, pun intended. Um, no, it wasn't. But, but still, <laughs> but still, like very secretive race. 
the entry fee was one pound, one dollar sixty, and you had to donate a flannel shirt because he didn't have any. So he got forty shirts out of it. That's <laughs> like, pretty smart. The year that? before that, he needed white shirts, so, and the year before that was socks. And so this is the brainchild of Lazarus Lake. Do you want any socks? Yeah, <laughs> maybe I should. The race itself, and this is brilliant. The documentary, the first part, sets up brilliantly with the interview and the runners. They've signed up to it, and some of them are veterans. They've done it before. Others, it's their first time. They're told it's a 100-mile race, but none of them believe it. They, they, It's probably more likely a 120-mile race, <laughs> taking over 60 hours. And it's five laps of a, again, what he thinks, Lazarus thinks, is a 20-mile course, which isn't. It's actually 26 miles. So, again, adds up to actually 130-mile total. Jesus Christ. And each year, the course changes. You don't really get a guide of where to run. You kind of get some real basic like look for this specific tree and turn left. So the first lap is very much them trying to figure out the loop. Yeah. So your first lap is the longest lap um, <laughs> as people are trying to find it. There's no checkpoints. There's no GPS. He's hidden books around this forest. And if you're runner 18, you must go get page 18 from each of the books and bring them back. Oh, to prove that you've run. Yeah. And then your next lap, you'll be given another number like 120. Jesus. So you've got to go back to the books and find 120. <clears throat> um, he writes the course guidelines as if you know him and, and as if you did it last year. So again, inside knowledge is key. A lot of people pair up with someone who's done it before. Um, the first two you run clockwise, the second two you run counterclockwise. And then if anyone makes it to the fifth run, to the fifth lap, if I got there first, I choose if I go clockwise or anticlockwise and then whoever goes next goes the opposite. So the last one, you cannot do paired or in a team you get split up and you go either way. And it's run over 60 hours, so it's not in day running. Mm. It's the equivalent, each lap is the equivalent of climbing and coming down Everest. Oh, yeah. This thing is insane. This you, you race, want to do it, don't you? No, hell no. <laughs> hell no. I've done Tough Mudders and stuff like that. And I did, I did the Tough Guy, which was fucking horrible. Mm. This thing is insane. Like the, uh, the, on one lap, one of the runners has like a smartwatch. And he's like, that one lap alone, my watch is telling me I've burned 8,000 calories. If my watch is telling me I'm dead. And I only <laughs> ate 4,000. So, so when you get back after your lap, the clock's still ticking. You can either go straight out or have half an hour. You can try and sleep for an hour. You, you know, most of them just try and cram as much food in as they can. It's mental. It's, oh, oh sorry. And what I should say as well, the, the entry requirement is the $1.60, the flannel shirt. And you have to bring... A license plate from a car, but not your car. So people like steal them, <laughs> donate them. So the course has all these like license plates everywhere. It's it's true documentary filmmaking, which is how have I stumbled on something so random and so unbelievably, you know, unique that I was fucking fascinated for the ninety minutes. Can I just say that this is like the fucking origins of of a person who then goes up against the fucking Batman in Gotham. <laughs> so it's, it's like the origin story to the fucking Riddler. So most, out of the like 40, 50 runners as well, most people don't finish the first yeah, lap. Yeah, I'm surprised most of them fucking die. If you do two laps and you bail, it's classed as you completed a fun run. <laughs> and they say like, I think only like 8% of the runners get to lap three. And this particular year of the documentary, it kind of narrows in on three runners that might actually do it yeah, might do, do it no they do yeah they'll, oh, right. I'll spoil it someone does do it but it does narrow down to three particular runners from three very different backgrounds 
um, and whether they will or won't do it, and exactly what point will they will they tap out? But um, m- just mind boggling. The documentary is on Amazon. It's called the Barkley Marathons: The Race That Eats Its Young. It, it's just so bizarre and brilliant, and ninety minutes of just pure entertainment in documentary film style, which is so brilliant. And we Jesus. don't talk about enough on this podcast. Jesus. Jesus. I got nothing. However, when you were talking, it did remind me of a film that I see, but I didn't say at the beginning. Bone Tomahawk. No. It's a film that I actually watched by accident because I thought it was something else. It was on the Netflix. It's called The Program 2015, and it stars Ben Foster and Chris O'Dodd. It's about Lance Armstrong and the oh yeah and his uh, <clears throat> winning of the Tour de Force, but actually his Tour de France, the Tour de France, yes, yeah, the Tour de France, <laughs> um, the blood doping scandal, the blood doping scandal. So Chris O'Dell plays the uh, journalist that basically hounds Ben Foster, who plays Lance Armstrong across the years, to, trying to get him to admit to blo- mm. uh, dope taking. And um, you got sporting cast. Starring Jesse Plymouth, who I still think is probably the shit. Yeah, he I is genuinely think phenomenal. for someone so young, he's would put him up in the upper echelons. I, I don't think he's given a bad performance. He's so good, even in shit things. Mm. Um, he's going with De Niro in his next film, isn't he? So I really want yeah, to see that. I like that. The Moonflower. But I think so. Uh, and this is really interesting. The story's good. It's, it's realistic. It's it's what I assume is real. Lance Armstrong obviously did these things. I think Ben Foster, who I've actually always been a big fan of, but never seems to get his chance if I think you will brilliant. I think Ben Foster here he nails Lance Armstrong with a near like severity that I, mm. at some points I thought I was actually watching Lance Armstrong he does look like him but it's his mannerisms his, yeah. his confidence his it was it was actually a struggle to watch because and this is where it, I divert I genuinely am amazed that cycling isn't a bigger sport than it is like it's one of it's without drugs it is it's 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 a duration. It's like that marathon. It's just people with similar, right? So we as a as a humanity, we like motorsports. Yeah. Despite the fact that one car is faster mechanically than another car, so it's got an advantage. In cycling, you don't have that. It's literally about your body and how fast you can push it up. Cycling has crashes and everything. I genuinely think that cycling should be a bigger sport than it is. It's weird. Yeah, but I think that about robot wars. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it should be much bigger than what it is. Um, it should be an Olympic sport. Yeah, I like Van Fossey. He did a he did a film with Chris Pine uh, and uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that Hell or High Water movie. Mm. Very good film, and he is very good in it. I, then, do, I, do, I do genuinely think he's really good, but he just never seems to get like good films. If that makes sense. Uh, big films is what I probably should say. No, good from big films. He did Three Days a Night, didn't he? With Josh Arnett. He did that scene where he's like, where he's like in the prison and he's like, you feel that cold? That's death coming for you. He's like, no, it's because it's fucking freezing outside. It's like minus 20. Oh, you said 30 days and nights and he said Josh Harnett. I thought you were talking about the one where he doesn't like wank for 30 days. That's 40 days and 40 <laughs> nights, isn't it? Is that Josh Harnett as well? Uh, yeah, it's Josh Harnett. Where he doesn't, or is that, or is that where's, Hollywood where's, Homicide? Where's, <laughs> Josh Arnett does a film where he's not allowed to masturbate or have sex and it's supposed to be growth it's like just stop playing with your cock you're too twat it's not that difficult just don't play with it you fucking knob um I, the the um, the program's brilliant. It's so good. It's fantastic. <clears throat> when I was talking about it with my dad earlier, my dad said, "Yeah, but during that period, because obviously Lance Armstrong got when it came out and he did the tell-all interview and he got stripped of it." it my dad's response was, "Yeah, but they were all on the drug, so he he did win. He just did his drugs better than all the other people." You know how blood doping is? 
He was putting extra blood in himself, wasn't he? Yeah, so it's, you take your blood out and then you and you replace it for the same blood type but with a higher hemoglobin. So you can push content. yourself longer. So you've got more oxygen floating yeah. around. Which is fucking odd. It's really weird. They do go into all of this, but and I'm just saying it, Ben Foster does a great performance as Lance Armstrong. And Lance Armstrong, do you know what? It was weird because he's a cheater and he had all these things, but he's quite rich, so I don't understand how. Surely he should have lost all that money because it was all based on prizes and deals that he should never have got. Anyway, it doesn't matter because that's not actually a film I wanted to talk about, but it's a very good film. I just wanted to get in there. That is a bit of a cracker that I've seen this week and I did really enjoy it. And it's on Netflix. Um, how many more have you got to go? Uh, I've got Black Adam and then um, Don't Worry Darling. Yeah, it's right. It's your turn. Though. You sure? Yeah, that'll do because I've still got two films to go. So that makes sense. The Ben Foster thing as well, though. I always think, what, Ben Foster, I think, what's the film I know him from? It, there's a film, Alpha Dog. He's pretty good in that where See, yeah. he, he's, Yeltsin is his younger brother. He's the older brother in it. And he goes on a bit of a rampage, as I recall. Love you, world. So... The, Olivia Wilde, and yeah. you're about to talk about Olivia Wilde. I, I am, yeah. There you uh, go, see? No, but the Ben Foster connection to me is, I always think, and Free Tense Humor is one, because he he plays like... Really? Yeah, he's the, he's the one who's like trying to free his boss, Russell Crowe. Oh, okay. And he, you know, and he's he's like, we're going to get you, and he's like teasing Christian Bell all the way through it, like, and then there's the big yes, shootout. Christian Bell would definitely eat you. Hostages with Bruce Willis. He's the yeah, he, but it's not good. Performance. No, but that, that's the that's <laughs> right. that's when I think back to Ben Foster, I'm like, where do I know him from? Oh, sorry, he probably links, but actually, isn't it's it's the Tom Jane Punisher movie. He's the guy with all the piercings. He is the guy with all the piercings. He gets tortured by them taking his piercings out. Yeah, that is mate. That's whenever a good I pull. think of Ben Foster, I, I'm always like, where, where is it that I know him from, or what is that that role? You know that, <laughs> and it's that it's it's um that's why I think of Kevin Nash. I think he broke Goldberg's streak and the Punisher film. Obviously. Obviously. How many did Goldberg get to? 173. What was it? It was, yeah. I, didn't, I thought we got to the 200s. No. No, 173. And The Undertaker wrestling. went to 21 and 0 and then lost to Brock Lesnar. There you go. At WrestleMania 30. Boom. Virgin. I watched wrestling uh, TNT <laughs> on, a, on a Friday night and uh, it used to be like, and you know, I'd watch it every week and then all of a sudden one week they're just like, and here's Goldberg, 160 to 0. Who? How's yeah. it? 160? I've never fucking seen him before. <laughs> Big deal. I'll tell you what. This this goes. I say it before, James. And I'll say it again. Never wrestle a man just in pants because they are bringing it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If he comes out with layers, it's fine. If he comes out with like <laughs> leggings on and just a bare chest, okay, maybe. But someone just comes pants. with a leotard, thinking like Andre Giant. Yeah. Okay, I really respect there. Mm. Comes out just in pants. Yeah, I'm scared <laughs> because there's only that. Former Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Stone, Stone Cold, The Rock, The Rock, Triple H. If you've got the choice for <laughs> leggings, though, why would you go? No, free the fires, mate. I want to get. I want the wind on my shins. <laughs> I want I... them to see my dick. <laughs> I, mean. I want them to feel it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm when I'm doing moves to them, I want them to be fully aware that I am erect. <laughs> really want to put them off. <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't want to wrestle anyone just wearing pants. <laughs> Oddly, if I was going to do one of them. Uh, it would probably be Hulk Hogan because you probably could take him. No, because they're <laughs> yellow. So I feel like that kind of softens the blow slightly when he leg drops me. Oh, my warrior, though, you've got to be off your bonds if you think you're taking that man down. Right. So Austin the Rock and Triple H, they all had black, they all black mm. pants, which makes sense. But Hulk Hogan had yellow. Matching Man had like pink. If you pee and you get little drops, you're seeing them. I <laughs> did Matching Man have little hot out, pants at one point. Or were they always pants? 
No, you no, you're right. He did later. He did leggings, but he did pants for a bit. I I know Fucking full hell. well. I know full well people that listen to this podcast <laughs> listen watch wrestling or watched wrestling. Yeah, I plead you if you've downloaded this episode, write in which wrestler wearing just pants would you find, <laughs> or which no no Big which show. which wrestler <laughs> which <laughs> which wrestler wearing pants is the biggest red flag. <laughs> Rikishi. I think <laughs> but again, Rikishi, I, I think I've got... I think, he I, for, actually, didn't he? I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've still got... You could take I him. I feel like, no, not that I could take him, but I feel like I've got at least speed, maybe, <laughs> or agility. I've got something I can use. Yeah, he's a fat fuck, mate. <laughs> Just run round him. Jesus. Uh, what film are you doing? Good oh, night. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Black Adam, other than to say... That was a letdown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a question though. Why does DC and fucking Netflix hate, hate, um, got his name, apparently I hate him, Henry Cavill? Because mm. it's not right. It's not right that they've treated him. It's bullshit. Well, yeah, I suppose technicality though, he left Witcher. Yeah, he was but. I'm like, doing this, and then they dropped him. It's like, oh, can I do Witcher now? <laughs> no, you've left. Mate. I'm not watching. So the Witcher series three has come out, and I've watched it. Love it. Part two is coming out at the end of the month. I'll watch that. I won't watch part four. Bring me, bring, bring me Superman, but not Superman. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I didn't think much to Black Adam. It, I mean, the, the set pieces were great. Looked expensive. It was the best thing in it. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. It was Pierce by fuck done, wasn't it? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan was good in it. I think, I, to be honest, a lot of the sporting cast were really, really good in it. I, I just I like Andreas I just, Hodge. I think he yeah, played Portman. I thought I, he was pretty he good. Def, I, not someone's career that I know a lot of, but I definitely will be keeping an eye. Yeah, on. he I was good. I liked him. Very, very good. In fact, actually, would probably prefer his performance to to the, the Rock. Yeah, the Rock. It was weird. Is that's the only film I've ever seen the Rock not play the Rock in, and it was shit. Yeah, but also it, it did that. It did. That. I was watching it thinking, what do I want from comic book films, and particularly comic book characters? And I think to some of my favorite. You think you think of like the old, like the big ones, yeah. like the you know, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider Man. Let's just yeah. say, keep it to them three to begin with. When they do their thing, mm. it's very entertaining. Yes. It's very entertaining to watch Spider Man do his thing, his webs, the way that he moves, the way that he crawls walls, how Cap hides behind the shield and use literally uses the shield, but then like boomerangs it, yeah, and it's like, kind of got this law of physics amongst itself. It's got, there's more to it, yeah. And then Iron Man, just because of the coolness and the evolution of the suit being so that he yeah, has first, to yeah. get into and then it becomes a nano suit and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it would always upgrade. There's always something different. Every film has something new. But those cape, caped crusaders, you know, like Shazam, Black Adam, Superman, mm. just give me Superman. That yeah. does it all for me. I agree. You know, when you've got multiple powers and not very many weaknesses, just give me Superman. That ticks that box. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, I know there's certain, you know, um, MC, uh, Marvel characters that are similar in vain in what they do. But I was watching it just being like, I'd much rather be watching Superman right now. I think um, the only thing that gets, the only thing is the DC have really good and complex storylines and their relationships. But if you're constantly doing origin stories, it's boring. And I, I just don't really, I'm, I'm done. I, mate, you know, we were so excited when Mohajer Ali was named as Blade. Yeah, yeah. I'm so uninterested. They don't have, they don't even have a script for it. Yeah. So they've, they've announced it. It's four years later and they still fucking got anything for it. it. I just, I'm not interested. It's, but the one it's all thing on Deadpool was, now, isn't it? Yeah. It's all on Deadpool and the scenes of 
Hugh Jackman in the uh, and they've apparently Ben comic Affleck faithful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck's come back as Daredevil was a bit of a joke. That's what it'll be. Electra's in it definitely. Yeah, it'll be a joke. It'll be <clears> pissed <throat> take. But I'm not interested in any I of think this. They're doing Wanda from one of the other dimensions I've heard versus that as Jean well, Grey yeah. in it as well. So that, it does, you see, that would be awesome. I'd watch does, the fuck it, out of that. I, it, what it looks like is it looks like Deadpool's just going to do a victory lap of multiverses. Yeah. I, you certainly, like I said, we're not going to get the Logan that we saw die in Logan. We're yeah. going to get a Wolverine from a universe we haven't seen. Yeah, just, I'm just not interested. I'm not interested for any of it. And that, that goes to, the only decent bit of fucking casting I've heard about is, obviously they've cast Superman, but have you seen they've cast Nathan Fillion as a Green, Green Lantern? Lantern. Yeah, yeah. Not the Green Lantern, as a Green Lantern. But I was like, that's great. That's yeah. fantastic. That's all I want. It's fantastic. Finally, I want him to be so good that they have to keep him and like, well, shit, you've got to have Nathan Fillion now. What about if in Deadpool they bring Chiglis' thing? You cock. You would, you would though, I'd you? fucking love it. You're all over that. I'd love that. Michael Chiglis deserved, he was, I believed that he was a fucking orange ball whack. I'm going to edge my bets now that uh, Thingy comes back as Johnny Flame. Chris Evans. No. Yeah. Really? Okay, that, that might... That'll be like an inside joke as well, aren't it? Yeah, I actually could see that. Yeah. I think I think you'll see. I think that's a joke. I think you'll see you're Chris supposed Pratt to think come into the scene. Uh, Chris Pratt, Chris, Chris Evans. Evans you're supposed to think he's America, Captain, Captain America, America, but it'll be and done. turned into a flame. I get. It. You know what? That'd be cool. I think that'd be funny. Uh, yeah, not interested in the slice. If and fact, I'm putting that out there now. I'm going to write a tweet about it so that in two years when the movie comes out, I can be like, fuck it. That is a Ryan Reynolds joke right there. It is. That's it's all, it's so meta about him trying to eliminate Green Lantern. And remember Deadpool. The worst thing about Black Adam is you're talking about DC and we're still talking about fucking Marvel. <laughs> That's how shit Black Adam is. It, it wasn't shit. It, ju- it, it was, was just boring, very, it was it? very middle of the road for me. Also at the end when he fucking sits in his throne, it's just a building sign. <laughs> it's just like, you're king of nothing. You're, just, <laughs> you're king of lies, mate. It's not what you are. You're king of lies. The most interesting thing about that, fucking Warner Brothers... We're so worried you weren't going to go see Black Adam. They fucking released the after scene credit before they'd even released the film. They're like, please see our film. Henry Cavill's in it. Fucking for eight days. Yeah. <laughs> for eight days, he was back as <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Fucking joke. Fucking joke. I've had hummus in the fridge longer than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I did watch as well, new on our TV, the 2022 controversial. Ooh. Don't worry, darling. I really wanted to see this. But then, but then I heard it. <laughs> Shit. Well, let's just go through. I mean, this this film is clouded in controversy, this mm. movie. Um, you know, we've got Charlotte Booth leaving the project and then Olivia Wilde saying he was fired. Yeah, but then I'm yeah. not saying no, I'm not. Yeah, and then, the, then you had the Charlotte Booth, you know, the, the all of it. Uh, the, what happened outside of that as well. Then you've got Henry, Harry Styles spitting on Chris Pine. Spitgate. But, but then everyone's like, no, it didn't, despite the fact there being quite clear evidence that he fucking did. Well, they, they both parties said they didn't. Yeah, but but there's think... a video and he does. <laughs> they reckon it was just one of them weird illusions. It's fucking happens. bullshit. But Chris Pine's reaction certainly looks like he's just been spat on. Yeah. Um, also, I'd like to point out, fuck you, Harry Styles. Chris Pine, I fucking love Chris Pine. You've got, uh, well, you know, Chris Pine said that he didn't get spat on. So, he definitely yeah. did. <laughs> You've got Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis' uh, relationship breaking down. Did you hear how she got divorce papers in the middle of a fucking lecture? Uh, in the middle of a con, wasn't it? It was a middle, I knew she was giving a speech uh, and then someone yeah. came up and gave a sight. Ooh, I know, I'm not saying that he did that on purpose. He didn't go, wait till she's in the middle of a speech. Yeah, he, he's later come back and said that isn't the case. I mean, when, when subpoenas are issued, it's not at the discretion yeah. of those filing it. Certainly, it sounds like, and 
I don't want to get into the gossipy things, but it's worth saying this film maybe didn't do as well at the box office it's because almost as if, of the controversy around it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost as if like someone overplayed the controversy so you'd remember this film even existed. Yeah, I mean, you had the, you had the breakup, you had Harry Styles being the new man on the block, you had Olivia Wilde's kind of coming out as a director saying that the film focused in incel communities. I don't know if you know the Jordan Peterson, the kind of... The, no. So again, there was a lot of discussion around Chris Pine's character being influenced by him. I know a controversial that figure. Florence Pugh was not happy because the trailer was not the film that she made. Florence Pugh has gone on. It's never really been official, but the stories around her not uh, saying that there's a lot of, well, the, the stories are that there's a lot of um, drama on set because there was a, like the whole Harry Styles thing, the yeah. relationship, the Jason Sudeikis thing, you know, the were you know the Charlotte Booth being there, no time to rehearse, people leaving early, you know that kind of thing. It just didn't run as smoothly as possible. I think, I, I think also Florence Pugh wanted to uh, a lot of the uh, critic, not the critics, a lot of the kind of commentators of the film were talking about sex scenes in it and what was happening. And Florence Pugh was like, "That's a part of the job. That's not the job." Yeah. Whereas I think Olivia Wilde's campaign was very much around. You know, she was using the phrase, you know, this, this is a film where the women come, but the blokes don't. You know, it's that. So she was, she was actually, you know, I think her campaign was more around focusing on that element yeah. to it. So, anyway, it's, by the by, we're looking not, at the film. Let's be you know, you've fucking spoken about but this movie It's likely that there's going to be a documentary on the film at some point, or there will be a film about the film that won't talk about that this is the film, but everyone will know. Yeah. That's oddly like that film, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. Because the drama behind the scenes... Is 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 as I suppose in in many ways as intense as the drama that is on the scenes. So the film is it focuses around it's kind of a, a utopian idea, nineteen fifties uh, utopian. You have got Florence Pugh in the main role as Alice, um, in a relationship with Jack, played by Harry Styles. You know they have a lovely life in a cul-de-sac of a desert community, but they've got everything they need. Mm. Um, you know it's it starts very much like you know a Tim Burton Edward Scissorhands movie where you know, all the wives kind of say goodbye to the husbands who get in their cars at the same time of day and they all drive out of the cul-de-sac at the same time of day in the morning. They then go back in and they start getting dinner ready or they start cleaning the house. They're drinking, you know, they're partying. Not allowed to ask the husbands though what they do. That's top secret. That's confidential. They've got a job, but they're not allowed to talk about it. This is one of these films that I've genuinely, I think I've already guessed the ending yeah, to yeah. anyway. So. You, I've, this film, within 10 minutes, you've seen. Yeah. You just... You know, you know where B is. You just don't know how we're going to get to B. Yeah, and you might not necessarily. The the you might not get B exactly. The ending's the B same, there. but it might just have a few curveballs in there. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, Florence Pugh starts to question the reality of the environment that they're living in. Chris Pine plays the kind of the over the top kind of community leader. You know that no one really gets close to, or they big up that no one really gets close to him. But he spends a lot of the film with them. <laughs> <laughs> like in that community. Never seen him before. Oh, it's him. oh there he is. And we're around his house all of a sudden. You know, you've got um, dream sequences, but are they dreams or are they memories? You've got um, neighbours that start to also appear like they're kind of waking up, mm. but then they become sedated again or they disappear. Oh. There's people that walk around. It, do you know what it was? It was a cross between a kind of Westworldy film and WandaVision, the TV show. Yeah. Um, you know, and in, in actually, is this a setup? Is it real? Is it reality or is it a dream all that kind of stuff is questioned and Florence Pugh's character kind of trying to get closer and closer to what the truth is 
the film does explain itself. It's not one of these that's open to interpretation. There is a definitive, this is what's happening. So you can like that or you can not like it. <laughs> it's your choice. Um, and, uh, you know, I suppose it comes to, you know, the, it comes down to, I suppose, the, the acting. The acting is very, very good. Florence Pugh is, I think we have to start considering that Florence Pugh is one of the best actors in the world. Yeah, I yeah, think she's of that. phenomenal. The only downside is though, she might turn 30, she might have a baby, or she might win an Oscar. Then mm. she's fucked, mate. She will win an Oscar. I'll, I'll eat my hat if she doesn't at some point. She let's, will win an Oscar. Let's hope it's later. Um, <laughs> She she's phenomenal. She drives the film. She carries the film. Her character is great. I really was invested in her character. Olivia Wilde's character is very good. Has actually one of the most, I suppose, gut wrenching storylines that's played very subtly and not spoon fed. But when you actually get her character's storyline, maybe the darkest of the whole film. But Ooh. it doesn't do it in a way like splitting someone in half and scalping them. What? It's like. It, it, you, you, I kind of watched it and went oh and it, and it sat with me it sunk with me it kind of stayed with me for a while um, Harry Styles I think I've seen him now acting in a few things I'm not sure I'm, and I'm not saying Charlotte would have done any better Charlotte Poof is very intense Charlotte Poof is very combative in his role he's, I he's, think Harry Styles is shit I think I, I think Charlotte Booth is is like me versus them attitude on set, and that doesn't work yeah. well with others. But to be fair, <clears throat> still in this attitude does make great films. Been above Falcon. <clears throat> yeah, he, he has he still has, got a talent. He, yeah, he has done good. He has done good. He also played Sam Woodwicky in uh, Transformers. You know, everyone's got death. Everyone has. He always uh, he also or played dis- Mutt or a Disturbia. <laughs> but hey, Harry Styles does. Certain scene, you know, he does the charming part really well. The I'll see you tonight, get him, you know, the dramatic scenes. I'm not entirely sure, particularly when you're with a heavyweight like Florence Pugh. Yeah, there is an element of like, oh, there are some really good performances in it. Chris Pine's great in it, good, not enough Chris Pine screen time, I think. I said about everything. Uh, including films he's he's not in, (laughs) yeah. Jeremy Chan's in it as a kind of Lady Macbeth kind of character, he's great. Um, so yeah, I, do you know what? It is. It isn't bad. It isn't a bad film. Just a while. I, Yeah, I think that you know the it's just short of two hours. Probably about an hour fifty runtime. I did want to see where it went. I did want to know. I knew what the twist was. I just want to see how we got. How there. we got there? Yeah. And um, and at the end, I was like, yeah, okay, that that's that's fine. Would I rewatch it? Probably not. Would I discourage someone from watching? No, I think it's I think it's a good film. But you definitely watched the documentary on the making of this film. I, yeah, when the drama comes out about the making of, you know, a, a, when, you when a film comes watched. out about a, a, yeah, a, a fragmented film set <laughs> trying to band together to get a film out that then flops, it will be heavily inspired by this story, I think. But I I, I, I thought it was all right. I thought I, I would encourage people to watch it for Florence Pugh's performance alone. Um, and if you haven't seen the, you know, the, the utopian things aren't all what they seem storyline, which has been done to death, then go in at this then. This is a good entry-level film like that. Oh, there you go. I, 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 I've project out. I, it, I a, want to support Olivia Wilde, you know. So. And the sets are brilliant. The set, you know, the set, the design, the 1950s feel is great. I thought the trailer did such a good job, it made me interested. But then it's when I started hearing stuff about it, which made me less interested. Um, it's Truman Show meets um, WandaVision. That's, oh, that's what go. I was trying to go towards. Right. Um, just to wrap up, I'm going to go into my box of questions people don't ask. Here's the first one. What's Luke Wilson up to? Well, he's in a film called 12 Mighty Orphans. Nice. <laughs> he's there with um, Robert Duval, whose job is to not move. He sits there. Robert Duval's feeling his age, mate. Bless him. 
and uh, Martin Sheen. Oh, oh. I love Martin Sheen. I think Martin Sheen's a great actor. Do you know what? Even in shit films, I always go back to Spawn. Where, where he's, he's a, never forget Martin Sheen was in fucking say, Spawn. No one goes back to Spawn, <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, Lou Wilson. Uh, Luke Wilson, sorry, let me get my notes. Luke Wilson plays the real-life character of Rusty Russell, who, during the Depression, goes to teach at an orphanage. There, he's like the English maths teacher, and his wife becomes like the music teacher. <clears throat> and there, he turns the... Uh, he creates a football team of orphans, and he, join, he enters them into Division A Texas football, which is a big thing. Division A Texas football is still a massive thing. And do you know who Rusty Russell is? He's basically responsible for passing plays. In American football, he's literally the first. It used to be very standard, but he brought in different formations. Brought in a lot of people took inspiration from him, and it's a film on Netflix released in twenty twenty one, and it's what? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it. And then, there's nothing really more to say about. It. It's fine. Yeah, they win the championship. It, it's it's. You've seen this film before. You've seen it better. Coach Carter takes over under performance. There's this horrible thing because they're in the depression and the orphans that we're supposed to you know society has left them and you know they're spit on they're encouraged to work in shops so it's nice that he comes in because Rusty Russell was actually an orphan himself and he's trying to give back during this time of great depression and you know people are out of jobs he's there there's actually quite a heartbreaking scene where at the age of 17 years old um, a mother comes back and she's calling this kid by the name she's like JC JC come here and like and everyone's like who the fuck is JC and it's good to a character called Wheelie or something he basically hasn't been called JC for 10 years because she dropped him when he was 7 and he's 17 years old now like no one's coming out in 10 years mm. and it's a right, right, it's really horrible scene and it's based on true life there's only 12 players that can actually because obviously you have to pass a test to play in um, Texas A football you have to pass a certain level only 12 people on the team can actually do it so they go throughout the championship with only 12 people so there's a lot of playing defence and offence if you know American football it was alright it's not great, but that's what Lou Wilson's up to. So that was pretty short. So I'll go back to the sheet and we'll see. Oh, it says, what's Adam Sandler up to? Well, he's fucking Netflix out of money, mate. That's what he's up to. Don't you bring Happy Murder or whatever no, it is to. No, it's The Outlaws, a, a Happy Gilmore production that's so shit, Adam Sandler's not in it. <laughs> but he'll cash that fucking check. I don't think I've seen that one. Um, cast, Adam Devine, whom I detest with a passion he's getting married and uh, he's never met his out his in-laws before but it turns out that his in-laws they're only outlaws oh no oh, right, i get it right adam divine he plays the manager of a bank the outlaws are notorious bank robbers hilarity and no it doesn't actually no no it doesn't um absolute horse donkey um one joke one joke lands Pierce Brosnan in it using his natural accent, which is weird because he always tries to hide it in films. Um, she says, oh, you look like James Bond. He goes, which one? She goes, number five. Pierce Brosnan responds, oh, that was a good one. Joke. <laughs> Pinnacle, because Pierce Brosnan was the fifth actor to play James Bond. Are you entertained? No. Welcome to the thousands of people who have seen The Outlaws, a terrible film with racism quite early on. Michael Rooker giving a performance that can only be described as squib. <laughs> <laughs> It was a destruction of my life. It was boring, unnecessary. It was consistently ball-achingly not funny. I mean, that's that's harsh. <laughs> Fucking, it was shit, mate. Right, so this is in the same... Do you remember when I talked a few months ago about the film The Wrong Missy? 
Yeah, Same yeah, director. Yeah, yeah. So Adam Sandler will cash the check for this, but he won't appear in it. It's an Adam Sandler film, mate, that's so bad, Adam Sandler refuses to be in it. He was in fucking Hubie Halloween. That's how low this shit is on the pile. It was terrible. I hated it. Why did I watch it? Because it was 95 minutes. And it was 94 minutes too long. <laughs> the outlaws, I was just mate. looking at it now, actually. Yeah, I do I do remember seeing this. You can smell the shit. I mean, I, I stayed right clear out of it. You, you, it. I would put it in the pit, and then I would throw the pit into space <laughs> just to keep it away from us. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, that, was a, that was a climax. It was fucking over, wasn't it? So, I mean... Weirdly, out of all the films we've talked about, it sounds like Bone Tomahawk is the recommendation. I, fucking, this week. I genuinely love Bone Tomahawk. I'd, I'd say it's probably it's probably uh, the, Maverick. The program, the program was really good on Netflix. Yeah. You give it a watch. It, it was really good because, like I said, I don't know much about the cycling world. I know about Lance Armstrong, and it was really kind of it was cool because Ben Foster does such a good performance, yeah. and I feel like Ben Foster he earns a shout out. Ben Foster, great job at playing an arse. The Berkeley Marathon as well was he's very very that. entertaining. That sounds amazing. Very entertaining uh, documentary. Maverick was fun. Don't worry, darling. I think I think ignore the controversy around it. And if you got if you just want to watch a film, you know that that has a twist and is well acted. That's what you're going in for. I think. Don't worry, darling, it's perfectly fine. But you and I are perfectly in tune. Probably the biggest recommendation this week is if you've got half an hour to spare, check out The Bear on Disney+. Plus. The Bear, I was going to say, yeah, definitely yeah. The, the crowning achievement. The only reason I want to bring it back to a, to a positive is I don't want to be negative all the time. No, it's very easy because it's the easiest comedy is, is, to, is, is, to, yeah. is to pick on something and rip it apart when we don't make films. So it's no, very easy for us exactly. on our like, soapbox to say something. And also, I think someone commented a while back on the Leaf Web episode was like, oh, you know, you're quite harsh. I, was like, I didn't think we were to leave a weapon. I Mate, thought the whole point was that... I always come back to our fucking, one of our early episodes, we did the Resident Evil films and I feel like we didn't go fucking harsh enough on it because they're bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But no. I, I did that. I remember someone who I know I discovered our podcast from that episode and was like, so is the theme then you watch the film so others don't have to? I was like, no, we do do good things as well as Resident Evil. <laughs> um, um, so it's my birthday coming up soon. Yeah. I reckon we should do the 20 best characters, personal opinion, in film. We should do that in one episode. However, we shouldn't do that for a few weeks and we should get people to write in, not write in, but also these voice messages and we'll do some editing and you can appear on our show. To find the best. To find the best. We don't want your 20, we want your one and we'll interject them into our episode. The best character the, in films. The best characters in films. Are we tr- so are we, not are an we, A to Z, top 20. Just, you could, are we you, saying Indiana Jones is the, is the top? So we, see what people come up with. No, we're, we're going to come up with 20 of our own. We'll come up with 20 of our own, but we'll have other people's in. But we don't want 20 people. We want someone to leave a voice clip that's about a minute long about who you think's the best and why. We'll put it in there. We'll put your suggestions in the episode. They might make our list. They might not. It'll be a fun episode to do. That's what I want to do for our birthday. But we want to start it now so we can get your additions in. So write in. We can read them out. Send in your voice clip. We'll put it on. It's a very small question. Who's the best character in film? Yeah, very small question. But I reckon we come up with 20 each, our top 20. We don't want listeners top 20. We want their top one. So we can put it in the episode. Otherwise, we'd just be fucked ton of names. Because otherwise, it is to me it is can anyone be Indiana Jones? I think that is yeah, but that's because that's your number one. That might be my number one. It might change though. It might change, okay. mate. Okay. It might be fucking Saruman. <laughs> well, James not. James Bond. I read earlier that Sauron in the original uh, draft was going to be a big cat-like creature. <laughs> Thank fuck it wasn't. <laughs> can you imagine three build-ups to that? 
Meow. <laughs> Fucking Idris Elba. Idris Elba. <laughs> Never forget yeah. Idris Elba. That's yeah. our show for this week. That's our show. We'll get planning uh, James's birthday episode for the middle of uh, August. Let us know if you've seen any of the films or programs or documentaries we've talked about in today's episode. And uh, if you do, after this show, go out there into the wild to watch one of them, do let us know how you got on, what you thought. Uh, you know, challenge us or, or confirm our opinions. So let us know. <laughs> if I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>